This is Yep, I Did That with Amanda and Jonna. Welcome, guys. I'm Amanda. I'm Jonna. And this, this is Yep, I Did That. Whoa, we did that really good. Well, that's Same pretty pitch. much the best we've done that ever. <laughs> uh, whenever we've tried to do other stuff in unison, it hasn't, hasn't worked, worked very well. It's become like a dissonant <laughs> chord, so we did well. Oh, yes. Yeah. So this is a podcast talking about... Things health-wise that either Jana or I, mainly Jana, has tried that have either failed or been really successful. Yes. Basically, I am your guinea pig for all the crazy health things that you have seen on Pinterest. Yes. I've most likely tried them, or if I have not, I probably will try them in the near future. Exactly. So. And I am the dietitian that brings some sort of balance to the reason as to why it happens to work or why it happens to not she's a science the science yep so she can tell me if i've just wasted my time or if i made a good decision exactly so we are part of that perfect yin and yang of health right exactly <laughs> so silly today we our podcast is called titty talk titty it's like a play on TED Talks, but better because it's Titty Talks. I didn't even put that together. You're welcome. You are so smart. <laughs> so we're doing some Titty Talk today. I always say that whenever you get smarter in like book smart, you lose common sense. And since I have my master's, I feel like I've lost a lot of my common sense. So the fact that like that was completely lost on me, I'm like... You need more street smarts, which I'm, I have zero of. So no, you, I should not you be have street that. smarts. <laughs> Maybe you have street smarts. Maybe for comparatively, the both of us. But comparatively not, to me, you not do. compared to just like your average everyday Angelino. Definitely not. Nah, that's okay. So it's very appropriate though that we're talking about titties right after we talked about vaginas. Exactly. So I, they kind of go hand in hand. They do I go mean, hand they in hand. They go on the same bodies. So <laughs> yes. And if you like vaginas, you usually like titties. Exactly. And you, or you don't have, even have to like them, but if you have, you have a vagina, them. you probably have titties. And you want healthy ones. Yes. And so that's why we wanted to really talk about. What's going on trend-wise in health for breasts? And then also what we do, um, mainly Jana has done to like, and, and me, uh, mm-hmm. to help kind of keep us having healthy breast tissue, healthy breasts, and a healthy view on all of this stuff. So um, one of the things that we both had challenged ourselves to do that I totally failed on was giving ourselves a self-check breast exam. Yes. We should be doing that every day. I feel like that's <laughs> such like reasonable thing. Yeah. But for some reason, I never think about it, even though I knew that I was challenged to do it and I completely forgot. Yeah. We should even, I feel like every day seems really taxing on people. Like when I started temping, a lot of people will tell me for like my, I do my basal body temperature or whatever mm-hmm. for charting for my cycle people will always say like I could never do that that's way too much work I'm like it's really not that much work but I think the everyday thing throws people off so I wonder if even we like put a challenge out there to everyone to just do it once a week even do you do you find it that it's probably or like how people say to do it is it in the shower or should you do it like is that a time that you could do it it is a time you could do it. I think it's probably the most easy time because you're naked and you're standing there. That's what So that's... you're like, while your conditioner is sitting on your head. Because you should let it sit. So <laughs> that's minutes. a great time. Yeah. I think especially since we don't shower like every day. Or if you do, then you would be on the bandwagon of everyday yeah. breast exams. But I think that's a great challenge. Yeah. So maybe we could do like Titty Tuesdays. Ooh. Where everybody does a self-check on Tuesdays. Yes. If I have something like that, I will remember. Perfect. Titty Tuesdays. Titty Tuesdays. Do self-checks. Check for any lumps. If you notice anything changing, get into your doctor How quick. do you do a self-check? Oh, good question. I go, I just like feel around. I kind of like 
done exactly what my doctor does at my OB appointments. I've done that before. Uh, And I usually just like go clockwise around my boob. I'm doing it right now. (laughs) I was about to as well. um, And just like go in like circular motions all around and feel if there's anything that is abnormal or different than the last time I did it. And under your nipple too is important to get. Uh, Yeah. That's what I'm reading what the what the websites say, the mm-hmm. interwebs. And it says that. It was basically like using the pads of your hands in a circular motion. But this says place a pillow underneath the right shoulder. Okay. And then you use your left hand if you're doing your right breast. But I would say the shower is way easier. And then yeah, just like lift your arm, Yeah, I just arm, lift my right? arm and do it. So. I mean, this also says in the shower is another option. Yeah. So. Johnny, you're already ahead of the game. You know how to do Ooh, it. Woo. I feel like I always do that, but I never know what I'm supposed to feel. And right now I am always like, is that a clogged duck or yeah. is that a lump? <laughs> yeah. Well, it's just different when you're nursing. It really is. So I will join in on Titty Tuesdays though and do it. Perfect. And then maybe that will also help just get the milk flowing. Perfect. Yeah. So. Can't be bad. Massage. Yeah. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Um, another really important aspect of having really good breasts is a bra health or bra health uh kind of i mean, I mean are you wearing a proper fitting bra and yes. why do you and i think you might have looked up some stuff with this so hopefully amanda can bring it back for us i uh i don't know if it's true like if it's ever been proven but i've kind of just been under the assumption that underwire bras can lead to Cancer. That's what I've been told. So that's I, what a lot of people have been told. Yeah. So it's not just you. I avoid them. And I actually, I do notice it's maybe just me. Mm, I actually don't even wear a bra that often. I avoid bras actually. But when I do yeah. wear a bra, if I wear an underwire, I notice it hurting by the end of the day, which is probably means I'm just not wearing the right size. For I, I feel like majority of women. I know that the commercials usually yeah. say that we aren't wearing the appropriate size. I think it's something like eighty percent of women are wearing an ill-fitting bra or the, the wrong. Oh wait, eighty percent of women are still in the wrong bra size. That's just crazy. Probably closer to ninety-five percent. How says. accurate do you think, like getting your bra measured or like your size measured, like in a lingerie or like store do you feel like that's like an accurate like way the latest, I wonder? the last time I got my measurements done uh I was in Victoria's Secret mm-hmm. and I feel like it was a load of like crap I do not feel like they I know they didn't do it yeah fully properly but even the bra I bought there I'm like this is not comfortable yeah it just doesn't I mean Victoria's Secret is all weird on its sizing too so yeah I was to say and I feel like sometimes pretty bras are never Yep. Really that comfortable. Does underwire cause cancer? I was looking up um, the Susan G. Komen list of what people associate or what people have found to be linked to breast cancer. And that was definitely one of them where it's like, hey, people are saying wearing an underwire bra leads to breast cancer. Mm-hmm. And there's a absolutely zero scientific evidence no to prove proof. that. No, there was one study in 1999 that, like, that's where all of, or 1991, not 1999, that all of this came from, that they found that it could. And so that's still where there's no scientific evidence. The, also, the last study done was in 1991. And I think any of the other studies, they found that the methods weren't like properly executed Uh, Um, and so you can't take those into real consideration if the methodology isn't that seems like something that should be like on the top of the list of things because so many people are getting diagnosed with breast cancer and and it's dying from breast cancer every day like fit and so it's kind of or a thing that we wear every day right so is unless you're me (laughs) unless you're you or it's me where i'm wearing a sleep bra I don't know if a sleep bra is a real thing. But. It is. It's labeled at Target, Jonna. I think we should just say, I don't think bras should be slept in. I still believe that oh. we should let them go. Yeah. Let the blood flow through. If I wasn't nursing, I wouldn't be wearing one. Yeah. I don't like the feeling it makes of not having one. But um, no, I agree. Prior to having my kid, I definitely slept without a bra. Good. It feels good. Mm-hmm. 
I also have other reasons, which we'll talk about why it feels fantastic to not wear a bra. <laughs> but um, yeah, so there's no scientific evidence to actually link it to breast cancer. But this is the theme of today is going to be, but if you don't feel comfortable wearing underwear bras, don't wear them. Right. Um, there, just because there's no scientific evidence doesn't mean that like you, if you have a conviction about it, doesn't mean that you should just be like, okay, fine. I'll wear underwire bras. I do think that they're, they hurt more than ones that don't have underwire, like yeah. a- after wearing them for hours. And so getting into like the right fitting bra and then also getting into one that you're the most comfortable in rather than just choosing based on hmm. a decreased risk. Like you're not right. getting a beneficial thing. So unfortunately there's no evidence but it could be but there's also only been one study in 1991 that came out saying that there was um and so future research if there's any people out there that are looking for something to do for their master's or dissertation you should probably do this it'd be a good thing to study since we wear them every day yeah this is really interesting i'm looking at this study um, that was done in France. I don't know if you looked it up at all. It's Professor Rulin. Mm-hmm. You did look that well, up? I have one from France on something else. Is it about sagging? No. Because this said over a 15-year period, he had women between the ages of 18 and 35 wearing bras, and he found that women who never wore bras had nipples on average 7 millimeters higher in relation to their shoulders each year than regular bra users. Well, I mean, Isn't if you think about it, it, it's kind of the same logic as other stuff where if you are supporting something, it's never building up a strength to support itself, you know? So it makes sense if someone didn't wear a bra all the time that they would potentially have better support of, on their own. On their own versus like your boob is being supported all day yeah, by a bra. Yeah, so if someone's hassling you off. about your boobs that they're going to get saggy one day, you can say. There's actually like, a study. Excuse me, Professor Frenchman. I'm probably saying it wrong. Ruilin. I'm going to just let you say that. <laughs> Says that if I go bra free, my boobs are going to look way better than yep. yours. And it also said that study confirmed that women that didn't wear a bra d- had no de- deterioration in the orientation of their breasts. And there was widespread improvement in the orientation of their breasts. I wonder if that is coming from the notion of wearing an ill-fitting bra, like, causes your boob to probably be, like, pressed. and Which causes the, like, deterioration of some tissue or making it more... Or, I I mean, I would imagine, because I would have to be pressure, I'm totally speculating on what I feel makes sense to me, since I haven't read that article, but that makes sense as to why. It just, this says, like, there's no permanent effect on the breast from wearing a particular bra, but the bra will give you the shape the bra has been designed to give you while you're wearing it. So, it seems like there's not, like, a ton of evidence either way. Well, maybe the bra burning of 1970s. They were onto something. They were totally onto something. Women's liberation and you're going to have way better boobs than the ladies that were, like... At least higher boobs. Higher. Well, isn't that the whole point? Yes. Isn't that the whole point? (laughs) That's why women get implants or reductions, lifts. Speaking of that, did you want to talk about your kind of journey with that? Uh, I was actually going to talk about that later, but we can talk about it now. I'm good. All right. Um, So I actually... What I was saying, why I enjoyed getting to have, like... No bra sometimes was that I had a breast reduction whenever I was 17. And so that has been my like beginning journey of breast issues where I like this will definitely be like the defining moment of why I got it. (laughs) I was on the dance team um, and I was the co-captain and we had to wear this stupid uniform and Whenever I was dancing, I always had to either wear two sports bras or 
I would ace bandage my boobs down or tape them down so that they wouldn't like bounce or hurt. And so this one stupid uniform that I was like, please don't make us wear this, please. And everyone um, decided that they were going to wear it. And I couldn't wear a sports bra at all with it. So you could only wear a strapless bra and then it tied in the back. So you couldn't, I couldn't ace bandage myself down or tape myself down because you would be able to see it. Mm -hmm. And so, um, we did this move where you bent down like with your chest kind of like exposed exposed and I did it and my mom was sitting up at the top with her friends and everyone around her was like talking about my boobs because you could just see all my cleavage and all my boobs and at that moment I think my mom whenever she heard that she I came home and there was other moments where, sorry, Jackie, this would probably be the first time you'll be hearing this, but I'm 31 now, so you can't get mad at me. It was a long time ago. Um, I definitely also got drunk on Smirnoff Ices, mm. and uh, we were at the at Farmington Lake in Farmington, <laughs> New Mexico, and I was wearing a bathing suit top, and someone took a picture of me with, like, my boobs because I was just, like, sitting there, like, drunk and be like, oh, my God. And it was just all my cleavage and boobs. And so it was, it was embarrassing. In, for it was you. incredibly embarrassing. Like I hated the attention. I was a 32 double D and I was a size four. And so it was really painful and just embarrassing to the ultimate max. Yeah. And so I got a breast reduction at 17 right before I went to college. And I went down to a 32 C, um, which was the best ever. So, but I had to sleep with a bra all the time. Because I was trying to get my boobs to be where they needed to be and, like, have the support since they just got, like, redone. Redone. Uh, And I had to sleep on my back. So that's why if you ever sleep with me, I don't move. (laughs) I had to, like... You're trained. I trained myself because in the dorms, because I went straight to the dorms right after this at Texas Tech is where I went to school. So you couldn't push the bed in. And so I pretty much slept on my back, which, like, made me be a really great sleeper partner Kyle I don't ever move and so um I had to sleep on my back and so I like basically always had to be wearing a bra and so I never got to have the pretty bras and so that's why you at that point in time I was a 32 double d and so um we could only find grandma bras i had to order them from dillards.com so sad and so the idea of getting like a really lacy beautiful victoria secret bra was my dream right especially at 17 at 17 like now you're like i literally don't care this I, thing is a torture device but I at sleep 17 in basically this bra that jonna says doesn't exist called a sleep bra so <laughs> i at that point though i was incredibly excited and pumped but um, it has pretty much altered my whole existence with like breast health and like the issues that I have. And so there's a few different types of breast reduction surgeries you can have. And so you could have an anchor, which is like around the nipple down and then a cut underneath, which looks like an anchor. Mm-hmm. And then me, I have a lollipop. And so mine just goes around and then down. So the anchor part is the worst part. And so I lucked out because it's the worst part of the scar. And whenever you're 17 and you're thinking about the beauty of your breast, I I didn't get the worst part. Um, But I did have to deal. I have to deal with a lot of the repercussions of it. But at the time, like the choice that I made at 17 was a really great choice um, for me to to do that. Um, and I was watching really trashy television the other day, um, and we watched the Real Housewives of Orange County. And one any of the, Real Housewives any, franchise, actually. I don't, I don't watch all of them. I watch most of them. You do. I've sunk to a new level, and I started watching Dallas. I haven't watched Dallas yet because it's there a level go. that you don't want to go to. <laughs> I did though, but on Orange County, a girl just, um was getting a reduction she had a 32 double d whenever she first was like before she had kids and then she breastfed and then she got a lift she went to a 
32 double G or something. You saw that, right? Yes, I did. And so so it's crazy going from, I can't even imagine having boobs that big because whenever I had my 32 double D's, like my sisters and I talk about it all the time that boobs make you look bad. I don't (laughs) like they do. And so I don't get this trend of people like a lot of people, a lot of people are now there's definitely much more cute bra options now. Oh, I'm so excited. That people are into having big boobs and I don't wear anyways. them, but yeah. <laughs> Who knows after nursing? I know after nursing I'm gonna like be a whole new woman. I think. Who knows? <laughs> um, yeah, and so it's the idea of getting to wear a really great bra has been great, and so I, I'm excited to try Third Love. Which I hope everyone else does too, because I've heard it's great. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah. Well, what are some foods that we can be eating or avoiding as far as the whole breast cancer conversation goes? Like, are there specific foods that we know are linked to breast cancer or are questionably linked to breast cancer? And what are things we can be doing actively to avoid? Breast cancer. I think that is like the root place that we can start or like the root cause or the root part to create much more success of all health situations. And so I'm going to talk first about the things that we should be eating, Perfect. um, which I will always be preaching about a plant-based diet. Starting there where the base of all of your meals are some sort of plant. So any leafy green vegetable or broccoli, uh, asparagus, bell peppers, that sort of thing, and then building from there with your protein, your fat, anything else that you add to your meal. Um, And one of the things that I like to tell my clients is eat the rainbow, not like Skittles, but eat the rainbow. (laughs) With um, veggies and fruits. With veggies and fruits. And so the more colorful your meal could be, the more phytochemicals you're going to have, more vitamins, minerals, Everything. And so that leads to decreased risk of free radicals. You're going to have, you're kind of eating an anti-inflammatory diet. And so Mm -hmm. those are the things that you should really be focusing on versus the foods that you shouldn't. And the foods that get a lot of attention that you shouldn't are things that could lead to, or are considered a carcinogenic food. So anything that's burnt, you don't want to eat. So don't eat charred beef burnt toast which my mom uh was the queen of burning things no not just burnt toast like burned everything (laughs) um which I helped her get that um one time she was baking cookies and someone came over to our house and she went outside and as a three or four year old I locked the front door like the screen everyone was outside except for me and I locked it, and I thought it was hilarious that she couldn't get back into the house, which she's freaking out because her three-year-old or four-year-old is in a house with an oven yeah. baking cookies, and she's begging me to unlock the door. And you were and just I just didn't because I'm a horrible child. <laughs> and I made her burn her cookies, which led everyone to continually thinking Jackie is a horrible cook. But uh. really, like, I kept her from it. But burnt foods... Um, And then you also don't want to cook foods with oils that have a low uh, burn rate or smoke point. That's it. And so olive oil should be kept to dressings, um, drizzling, uh, cooking. You would rather want to choose grapeseed oil, which we use all the time. Mm -hmm. Coconut oil, incredibly trendy to use, which we can talk a ton about. Um, It's it's an option. Or butter, which... I know I it's your, your fave. Yes. Butter and everything. Butter and everything. Um, and whenever you're thinking about carcinogenic or anti-inflammatory, thinking about things that you're going to help decrease the risk of cancer in general, butter is a great option to be cooking with because you won't be increasing that smoke point. Mm. So you won't be increasing your risk of like free radical production. Perfect. And so those are foods that a lot of people talk about, but the one food that everyone talks about is soy. Right. Um, that's the most controversial food item whenever it comes to breast cancer I think that there could ever be. Right. I've been told to stay away from it. Yeah. And and do you eat it now? 
I don't I don't use it at all. I as a barista, uh it was like my least favorite thing ever to steam it. Well, yeah, because it doesn't <laughs> I'm make just, a good foam. I'm just super anti soy in general, all the above. But all the above. I, I guess I do eat it somewhat in Asian food. So a little yeah, bit. I and, have a little and bit moderation of soy is great. I feel mm-hmm. like that's a really healthy place to be. Um so I want to talk a little bit about why people think soy is so bad, which is going to be kind of science. So just stick with me. I'm going to try to make it as simple as possible. And so basically soy contains is a phytoestrogen, which whenever it gets metabolized, it gets metabolized like estrogen. Um, That's where people have become really concerned about soy leading to breast cancer. And what happens is that – you could, or you have two different receptors. You have an alpha receptor and a beta receptor. And the alpha receptor could lead to free radical production. So if you eat it, it could decrease or increase the risk of breast cancer by increasing free radical production. Beta, if it goes through this pathway, it actually gets metabolized like sugar. No problem whatsoever. Okay. It just goes within the body. No worries at all. And so um, that's where the biggest, like, concern happens is, like, whether what kind of receptors you have. And so um, what – does your body just, like, guessing game pick which receptor to send it to? Or is there, like – how do you know if your body's picking alpha or beta? That's kind of the biggest question where um, there have been studies. It's based around, like, puberty. Mm -hmm. And so um, you – a study I looked at um, and I got from the class I was in in a functional foods class during grad school, um, we looked at pre-puberty and post-puberty and Asian cultures actually get a really high soy diet pre-puberty mm-hmm. and they have a much lower incidence of breast cancer. So it's thought that being introduced to a really high soy diet pre-puberty you actually increase your beta receptors if you introduce a really high soy diet post-puberty that's whenever an increased risk of breast cancer happens because you increase your alpha receptors and if you think about whenever i was in school learning this it's like 2010 Mm-hmm. And that was a, the biggest trend at the moment. Yeah, I don't even – I feel like soy mi- or almond milk was not – it was barely breaking in like rice milk, almond milk yeah. because – well, I'm just coming from the barista world, but from like specialty coffee, soy milk was the first milk mm-hmm. alternative we got. And then probably two years later, almond milk, mm-hmm. rice milk, coconut milk, like all of those goat's milk – that people are trying to avoid the soy that started becoming a thing. So I don't know. That's probably like two, two or three years after. Oh yeah. In grad I school. Like, yeah. I was say I feel like being a barista, that's where you see the trends start. Probably because people are afraid of, first off, they were afraid of mm-hmm. estrogen in their milk. Yes. And hormones in their, their cow's milk. Yes. So they decided to go to soy milk, which clearly was probably not the right choice for any of us who are not Asian. Yes. <laughs> or um, being exposed to a really high soy diet pre-puberty. Right, which probably does not count for us that had, like, takeout Chinese food and no. Panda Express no. every once in a while. Panda Express, definitely not. I mean, we could probably be really high MSG pre-puberty. <laughs> which is another whole that's another rabbit whole thing. trail but that would definitely be where we would be high in um and there are in the western culture it's not gonna be where we were ever really high in soy pre-puberty outside of if they couldn't have a milk-based formula like a child couldn't breastfeed um or a mom couldn't produce the baby couldn't accept a milk-based formula, then they would have have had a soy diet. So mm-hmm. they would have been introduced to soy really early on. Um, but it's it would have to have continued okay, um, throughout. And then majority of us started post, which is why I, I don't eat soy anymore. I'm a, I'm a vegetarian. And so I choose, because I'm also a hypochondriac, after I took that class, I opted out of all things soy. That makes like, sense. Uh, uh, no. 
Yeah. Thank you. I don't want breast cancer. And I don't know what kind of receptors I have, which is the biggest question that you ask. Like, right. I, what kind do you want to take that risk? Yeah. So probably better just to avoid soy. It, I mean, that's kind of where I'm at. But if you decide to eat soy, um, you want to choose a organic, non-GMO, non-GMO, not processed. So that's whenever the real question comes about is if you're eating something that's processed, is it the soy or is it the processed Right. Like I'm thinking a, probably an organic, non-GMO soybean is probably fine. Like that's yeah. an edible thing that was created from this world. Whereas a lot of the stuff we eat, if you look in your ingredients on the back of a lot of foods, soy, like processed soy is in a lot oh, yeah. of it. Or soy lecithin mm-hmm. is in everything. So try to avoid it. Yeah. Good luck. Good luck. That's <laughs> why I th- say like you have to have a healthy perspective about it whenever you were like, I eat it occasionally. That's a healthy perspective. I have edamame occasionally. Right. Because you can't completely eliminate something that's so intertwined right. into our livelihood. By eliminating a lot of processed foods, you'll be eliminating majority of you'll the You'll be soy ahead of the curve it. already. Yes. Because soy lecithin is the emulsifier that's in everything. Okay. Um, I think a trend right now is that sunflower lecithin is being used a little bit more. Hmm. So maybe you'll see that instead of soy. But um, it's not like the devil food, right. but it's something that you should be cautious of. Right. Like why risk it? That's yeah. where I fall in it. Yeah. There's so many other options. Almond milk, flaxseed milk, getting really good fats if you get flaxseed milk. Um, that are foods that you should be getting a lot of. And so you definitely always want to make sure that you're getting some omega-3s. So choose flaxseed milk. Perfect. Yeah. I've never tried flaxseed milk. I have only I always get almond milk, which I know is not like great for the environment, but it's it's delicious. It's delightful. <laughs> and my husband has drink it, which we'll probably discuss this at some point, but he is a like ten year old boy diet. And so the fact that he enjoys almond milk is like the biggest. It's it's a breakthrough. Oh, it's the biggest breakthrough. I think <laughs> I threw myself a little party. Yeah, I don't doubt it in your soul. Outside, I <laughs> made sure everyone, he knew that I was excited for him. I was excited for us. <laughs> it was the best. Um, yeah, and so I think that that's the, the biggest food concern. Um, but I was also looking at whenever I was preparing for this at Susan G. Komen for a list of what other things has, has can cause cancer or risk. And one of them is deodorant, which we're going to talk about for a second. But do you want to know the most outlandish thing that I read? What is it? Is that the people believe that if you're left-handed, you have an increased risk of breast cancer. Which just echoes back to the Salem witch trials, really. It really does. And that's where you... <laughs> those dang witches. Those dang left-handed witches. They're who we have to blame for breast cancer. They brought it upon us. <laughs> um, yeah, and so I think that this is the best thing to like bring back into perspective whenever we're talking about this, that you have to trust where you're getting your information from. Mm-hmm. Because the fact that people are saying that if you're left-handed... You could have an increased risk of breast cancer is so ridiculous. Right. Um, And why they say that is because more breast cancer have been found in the left breast versus the right breast. And so they think, oh, if you're left-handed, it happens in the left breast. So maybe it's because you're really active. That makes causing it some doesn't damage. make any sense. Actually, it doesn't. It makes I don't even. Zero sense. I enjoy that you were like, "Oh, that makes sense." No, it doesn't. <laughs> at like, all. I want to make them feel good about their, but it's not good. No, it's who, bad. I don't actually want to make you feel. It's good. just like fear mongering. Oh, yeah. tactics of someone that read a hypothesis somewhere and was like, "Oh, it's in the left breast. It must be because they're left-handed." <laughs> Okay, so we're gonna discount that one. Yeah, don't if you're if you're left-handed, which my mother is, you're not it, it, like that will risk. not be you are probably at the same risk that everyone else is. Exactly, <laughs> you're not gonna get breast cancer because you're left-handed. We can rule that out. As rule a it out now because that is dumb. Um, but the deodorant one has some science that brings why people 
decide not to, which I know you have some things to talk about for that. So you talk and then I will. So rewind back five years ago, which I will probably talk about forever until it becomes six years ago uh, when I started the whole journey of taking chemicals and anything basically that I could find online that is supposed to be bad for you out of my life, except sugar, because I cannot give up booze. Well, I, I mean, love booze too much. Booze are the best. I can get rid of chocolate, but I can't get rid of booze. It's just, especially that like sparkling, uh, <sighs> shell shoot. house. Yeah. Shell house, sparkling water. So good. It's so good. Um, but I, Decided to cut deodorant out because I had read that the aluminum can be linked to breast cancer and the fact that we use an antiperspirant can be like locking toxins into our bodies Mm -hmm. that can then lead to breast cancer. And I think you have some science to speak into that. So was I crazy or not? Oh, girl, I do. Um You're not crazy. So the hypothesis came around in like 2003 that um, there could be a link between aluminum and breast cancer. And why this came about was because um, aluminum chloride and aluminum chlorohydrate um, have been associated with being a genotoxic substance that Mm. could affect your dna so it could affect your epigenetics it could increase your risk of cancerous cells and so people thought okay aluminum is a genotoxic compound it's in our deodorants and it's really close to the fact that majority of breast cancer was found in the outer quadrant of your boob so you're looking at your boob, anything that's closer to the like armpit mm-hmm. was where cancerous cells were found. I'm touching my boobs to show John. Yes. Cause she didn't know what the outer quadrant was. So I needed to show <laughs> her visual aid. I'm a, I need, I know you're a visual person, John. So I needed <laughs> to show you. Um, and so that's where they thought that the aluminum could, could hypo like potentially they postulated that this could be why that's happening. Um, and then the antiperspirant part was that it's keeping all those toxins in. But the fact is that, like, your body's expelling those toxins other places. So it's fine. Um, and the aluminum that there actually has only been a couple of studies that, like, potentially found that. And majority of them have found that, like, there isn't any actual scientific evidence because either the methodology of those studies weren't done correctly or – it needs to be studied further. So yes, there could be like this hypothesis that someone said, but mm-hmm. no one has really studied it right? to the extent that it needs to be studied to understand if these low doses of aluminum in our deodorant. So because you don't know how much you're getting with every swipe mm-hmm. of a deodorant. Yeah. And my, so you, my inner hippie would just say, why? Yeah. Like I'll just avoid it and well, not I mean, I do think that. that. That's, where you have to be at where the with studies and things like this where it's like this hypothesis exists mm-hmm. it sets a precedent in your mind of this could happen the science is saying we don't know so you have to do what's best for you like why would you do that risk right why would unless you you're trying not to, to smell do which then leads us to antiperspirants and... And why people use deodorants to yeah. begin with. Like, they, they don't want to sweat. They don't want to fucking smell. Yeah. That's why. It's upsetting. It really it's is. Offensive. It's offensive. It's offensive. <laughs> um, I'm not joking. This, this may be a little side tangent, but I think it's actually worthwhile. I saw... So I'm a part of... In Burbank, in Burbank, there's a mom's group on Facebook that oh dear, I'm excited about this. <laughs> you can probably you could be a part of it. It's a closed group, oh. but and I barely comment, so I'm not like the one of the popular kids on this Facebook group. I don't comment. They in all any know each other. In. They all sell things to each other. It's like this big thing. Well, I just saw a post on it from someone that was like, it was long. It was it was probably three or four paragraphs of this person just venting over. It wasn't a coworker, but it's some sort of meeting that they have to be at. And this person comes to it and smells so bad that they are like gagging. 
And they're asking how to approach that conversation. Like, how do I bring this up with this person that they smell so bad, even though they're not my friend? (laughs) And uh, some people were like, just be kind. And then there was other people, which I think are the smart, knowledgeable, socially conscious people that are like, just don't say anything and don't sit by them. Yeah. But it's a thing. Like they were like, it is a offensive how bad it smells to the point that I don't want to walk in the room with this person. I enjoy that someone uses the language that it's offensive. <laughs> like it's it no is, longer it offen- PC to smell. It offends me that you smell so bad. Right. So this That's is so actually LA to it's say actually that. a topic of conversation on the mom's Facebook where there's hundreds hundreds of ladies that this was like a facebook worthy (laughs) debate because someone was so upset about the smelling so why do we smell or what does deodorant play a part in why we would smell when we stop i think you had something to say about that i do because it's so funny like the the answer to that not knowing the research would be you need to use deodorant. You need to use an antiperspirant because the like the sweat is making you smell. Right. That's like who, what we've believed for so long. But while I was doing this research, I found a beautiful study by a Frenchman um, <laughs> that looked at the bacterial community, which is looking at what bacteria does on our armpits whenever we apply deodorant um, mm-hmm. with an antiperspirant. And it found that it actually alters the bacterial community, which in layman's terms, that means it increases the odor bacteria. So anyone who goes from using an antiperspirant every day to cold turkey not using an antiperspirant, they have an increased amount of odor-causing bacteria on their armpits. So you're going to smell because it's completely altered your bacteria within your armpit. And so... There's no going back, which is hilarious that we think the answer is to use more deodorant if you smell because you don't want to be that person that a mom is writing about on a Facebook page that you freaking smell. (laughs) You don't want to be that person. And so you put on more deodorant because that's what you think is the idea of whatever. And so, um, yeah. And so basically deodorant actually causes worse BO. Which makes so much sense to me. Um, So something I mentioned to Amanda earlier was that uh, when I started this whole train of getting chemical free and decided to cut deodorant out, my first go-to was to go to Tom's. And like a common complaint that both of us has heard and that I experienced was I smelled way worse using Tom's. And that kind of makes sense now. We were talking about how that might not even be anything against the company. It's just the most readily available alternative right now that's in stores. So that's what people go to first. And that's why they're going to smell so bad at first because their bacteria is disrupted. Poor Tom's is getting the worst reputation ever because of the fact that like we think that that's what's causing us to smell but in reality it's that the stupid deodorant has changed our bacterial community i feel so dumb saying bacterial community (laughs) all the time but like no we like bacteria though there's good good bacteria bacteria. and this is promoting bad bacteria right and poor tom's is getting the brunt end of the deal so maybe i'll talk a little bit about my journey and what has worked for me and not worked for me yes because i want to know yes we're touching hands awkwardly right now and especially me that makes me so uncomfortable (laughs) jonna hates physical touch so i I do do it (laughs) um no because that's what i i obviously don't agree with the aluminum side of Mm -hmm. it but i do agree with not wanting to freaking smell bad right so i want to transition out and so i want to know what has worked for you perfect so started with tom's did not work did not work went to coconut oil Mm -hmm. worked okay coconut oil is an antifungal so at least you know it's kind of it's killing any of the funk that grows in your skin rolls, the, which, or skin folds, skin folds. folds. Yes, which can be considered a roll, I guess. <laughs> yes, because that's what you think All about skin that's 
folded over in a weird, I don't know, in your armpits. I mean, it, it does make sense because we talked about vaginas last time and that's a fold and you used coconut oil exactly. all up in that. So all folds. And it just helps with any funk. Any funkity funk. Yeah, that may or may not be a fung fungus, which makes sense. Funk. Funk. <laughs> so worked, but still smelled. Okay. So... It wasn't the worst, but it was still – it wasn't as bad as Tom's. So yeah. maybe that's because I've detoxed more at this point that I started that. Well, and because it's an antifungal, it's probably helping get rid of that bad bacteria. Right. Potentially. So then I added baking soda, uh-huh. and that did help quite a bit. And I would just reapply halfway through the day, which is not the 24-hour clinical strength, but not abnormal to have to reapply. No, because I feel like – if that was a deterrent for someone to be like, well, I'm not going to use a natural thing like coconut oil because I have to reapply, that's stupid. Because you're reapplying your other stuff, Yeah, too. you have to reapply the other stuff. And if whoever comes to me and says their deodorant worked for 12 hours, I would call BS. Because They're just not no, doing anything for 12 hours. Yeah. Like, I don't reapply, but I know that stuff ain't working after, like, <laughs> five hours. <laughs> right. And... My sweat, like I sweat, so I'm not clear. On a hot day, there will be sweat marks yeah. under my pits, and that was not the case when I was using an antiperspirant. But it is now, and I'm just okay with it. I just don't care because I'd rather be healthy. Yeah. Um. So from there, Aaron, my husband, started getting burns. So we probably did the coconut oil baking soda thing for a couple years. He started getting burns, um, and that is when I looked into this company called Schmitz, and they mm-hmm. have a pit paste that I really love. What's and I, in that? It's like nothing, and I think baking soda is a main ingredient. Here, let me look up the ingredients okay. really quick. Because I would be super interested because I've also – do you watch Shark Tank? Yeah. Do you remember the one that they did a natural deodorant? I think I it had don't. charcoal in it. That makes sense, though. And it was like a paste that's... kind of thing, too. So I'm interested in knowing, like, what is in the pastes that help it. Like, I wanted right. to say it was charcoal that was their active ingredient, but I could be completely making that up. Uh, it makes sense. First off, charcoal is just, like, the um, trendy thing to be into right now. Sure. So that makes sense why that would be that. Uh, let me see here. Okay, so... In the pit paste, uh, I try. I've tried three scents. We tried the juniper cedarwood because that's like the manly one. Ooh, yeah. Um, didn't it irritated Aaron? So we it's, we just have a stick of it. Okay. Um, and then lavender sage doesn't work for us either of us. So I don't know if that's just our body makeup or not, but. The rose vanilla, which smells like a grandma, so my husband smells like a grandma if you smell his pits, worked great for both of us. Numero uno, if they can smell Aaron's pits, they're too close. Exactly. Bubble. Exactly. The um, ingredients for it are shea butter, arrowroot, baking soda, cocoa seed butter, rose and vanilla, and vitamin E sunflower derived. That's it. And it works great. So I recommend that. That's kind of that's where we've landed. And uh, I know Aaron in a pinch bought just a stick of deodorant when he was on a work trip and it burned his armpits. So and neither of us can wear it now. So the average just store bought deodorant antiperspirant that we were wearing our whole life until we cut it out. Now we our skin can't tolerate it. We get a rash and it burns us. It makes sense because you've eliminated like those chemicals or that like specific makeup. Right. And that was what we introduced. Like I got the teen spirit very first one. Yeah. I remember teen spirit. It was the best. <laughs> um, and so from 12. Right. On. That's what you probably sixth using. grade. Right. Yeah. yeah. Seventh grade. I was sixth grade. Yeah. I, I think. think sixth grade for me. too. And so, um, I mean, it makes sense why your body is like, wait a second. I can't do that. Um, and it's just crazy, but for sure, I think that both of us would say, if you have any qualms with aluminum, don't use like an antiperspirant or the traditional deodorant, but mainly the issue is that it increases your odor producing. So if you have any issues with that, 
you should try some of the things Jana is recommending yeah. for sure because I'm about to and it's only for a purely I don't want to smell. Yeah, standpoint. you might have just a little rough of transition, but you'll be okay afterwards. You know, it's okay. I'll just sequester myself. <laughs> Another thing that made me want to not have chemicals is nursing. So uh, you you're nursing a baby and their head is just rubbing all up in that whole general area. I just didn't want aluminum just all over my baby's head. Or it's not just aluminum. The amount of ingredients in those things is insane. So uh, we kind of want to transition a little bit into nursing and give a few just pointers as far as health things we can do in nursing to up our supply, keep our milk healthy, keep our boobs healthy. So what are some supplements that you take for nursing to help get your supply up? So Amanda has struggled, especially because going back to her reduction. Mm -hmm. So she's been on a journey for the past five months. Yes. Of working on that supply. It's a little bit crazy. (laughs) (laughs) Um, To say the least, it's been crazy. But um, yeah, so the going back to the types of breast reductions, I was lucky that I didn't get an anchor because most of the people who have had anchors have zero ability to breastfeed. and thankfully, my doctor was like, let's try this new technique that I have some ability to breastfeed. Um, it's been incredibly difficult pill to swallow whenever I was talking about the repercussions. You don't think about at 17. Right. Um, you're not thinking, hey, one day I want to be able to feed my my kid mm-hmm. and it's going to be a really tough time. Um, and so... That's something that if if you're younger listening to this and that's something you're thinking about or if you're thinking about having kids, um, just wait. Yeah, that if, makes sense. If breastfeeding is important to you or whenever you get pregnant, right whenever you're about to be having this baby, you need to jump on these supplements because I did not know and it's been a really tough time of my baby struggling to gain weight because I wasn't producing enough and then not understanding the balance of pumping and right. what to eat and you're stressed. And, and as a dietitian, I felt I was supposed to already know this stuff, but whenever it's happening to you, you don't think about it. It's, it's like all the information leaves you because you're in that moment and you're just holding your baby and you don't like even comprehend that you know what to do. Right. And if you are in that moment, like you're doing a great job, keep going. And if you're not there yet, this is something to take notes on and just have already so that you can look back at it and you don't have to be in the moment scrounging around looking for information while you're sleep deprived with a newborn. Exactly. Highly emotional and hormonal. Yes. Yes. Because, and like I'm part of a support group for breast reduction um, and breastfeeding after reduction don't be a part of these groups. (laughs) Like I'm, I am a part of it and it's like, people are just trying to like say their stuff, but it puts so much more pressure on you Mm -hmm. and just don't just know you're doing what you're supposed to be doing. You're doing Um, your best. You're doing your best. If you can't breastfeed, do it for as long as you can. Mm -hmm. Don't let people guilt you because I think that that's like the biggest issue whenever it talk, we are talking about boobs and we're talking about nursing is that there's this like unbelievable pressure that women are supposed to do these certain things. And Mm -hmm. if you physically can't, there's just like this judgment on you that people don't know. Mm -hmm. And then I, I think that's why I struggled so much Mm -hmm. was that I felt like number one, I'm a dietitian. I'm supposed to already know this stuff. Number Mm -hmm. two, if someone saw me giving my son formula, I, especially in LA, I felt like I was getting looked at, like I was going to get called like CPS on me because I'm giving my <laughs> child formula, you know? Yeah. No one really thought that, but I think it's just the pressures that right we put on ourselves. And it, I hope. And if it's just the smallest amount, yeah, that's worth it. Like it is any of the work that you put into yes. getting breast milk was worth it. It's not. Yeah. My doctor always is like, Seriously, Amanda, a drop of breast milk helps with his immune system. Yeah. 
So just know that you're doing your best. And so with all that to say, this is what I have found that has been (laughs) beneficial to me um, alongside with women who have come along with me to Mm -hmm. pump for me, which has been the biggest blessing in the entire world. And I hope that people don't find that creepy, but it's the, the biggest blessing to have um, friends just donating, have friends their breast that milk. donating breast milk to me um has been so great and the most humbling experience of my <laughs> life that has helped me be a much better human and mom but um the things that i am currently taking um is goat's root lactation plus which is the honest company lactation supplement sunflower lecithin um and then today I ran out of Lactation Plus, so I took this disgusting More Milk Plus mm. tincture. The tincture is the most disgusting thing I've ever put in my mouth, yeah, so no, don't you. do it. Um, and then I drink coconut water every day, and I have a mother's milk tea. Um, and that's what I have found to help. The goat's rue is really good for people post-breast reduction because it's been shown to help increase your breast tissue so it could actually help rebuild some of the tissue that makes sense um the lactation plus obviously it has fenugreek marshmallow root fennel Mm -hmm. all the normal things um fenugreek only works for certain people so if you are one of those that it doesn't work for i was reading about something today called like mangra Mm -hmm. it's a thing from the philippines Hmm. um that it's a quote-unquote superfood which i hate that terminology but um that's what they use to help increase milk supply. So if fenugreek doesn't work, that's something that could work. Um, and then sunflower lecithin, which I think you have had clogged milk ducts. This actually helps to like make your milk thinner. So I take it so that if you have a low supply, it helps the milk get out faster so right. that they don't get as angry. Cause mm. Ellis definitely has like screamed at me <laughs> because it's not coming out fast enough because right. we have to do bottle and breast and so um it helps the milk come out faster and so okay. i empty faster um and so if you're prone to clogged ducts sunflower lecithin is great okay. um and then coconut water it's my new it's my new thing i hate <laughs> it so much but it helps you just stay really hydrated electrolytes so if you're prone to dehydration coconut water a day it will boost your milk for sure it's so interesting mm-hmm. speaking of clogged ducts i feel like uh Mom pro tip for clogged ducts. So um, the first one I got, I did. I extended breastfed mm-hmm. Dietrich. Um, so I fed him till he was two, and I think at a little over, maybe like one and a half, is when I got my first clogged duct. Actually, uh, duct. That's a actually. long time. It's a really long time. Yeah. And I got it, and I was like, No, what if I get mastitis? Especially because your sister. Oh, my poor sister. Had Her, it so she's many had a sister that got sick from it pretty bad. So, um, of course, I like quickly started looking up what to do, and something just quick to do is warm, wet compress. Yeah. And I put lavender on it just to help, like. Um, lavender is an anti-inflammatory, mm-hmm. so it can just help kind of calm down all of your angry ducts. Yes. Um, and then also I found on some weird forum, these moms talking about like how to nurse out a clogged yeah. duct. And what ended up working for me was like table topping over Dietrich. So he's laying on the ground uh-huh. and I was like in a table over him, kind of like push up position nursing him and that is what solved my problem i've actually read that that's how we're supposed to nurse in general i do not believe that that does not make sense i feel like our boobs would be in a much more comfortable like on our like elbows or something yeah (laughs) where it was basically that that's animals like that's how they would do it like yeah i guess like standing and standing to Uh do it where it the milk kind of is just down the gravity just helps pull it all out yes and i think that that was the main thing um but i've also heard or read where if you had a clogged duck i don't i don't make enough (laughs) i feel like to Mm. have it but uh point their nose wherever like the duct is supposed to be clogged and i'm like that's so difficult to find the right i feel like being uh, like tabletop over him makes more sense than trying because then you could angle your boob 
right. to where his nose is. But if you're trying to get into a correct position, mm-hmm. that's the most awkward thing in the world. Especially my child would like move his head and he's like, oh, for no. sure. By the time no. if they're old enough to be doing gymnastics, then it's not going to work. Probably. Well, even my five month old, he's like yeah. very particular about where his head is. So I doubt I would even be able to be like, Ellis, move your head here. Yeah. And going back to the breast cancer mm-hmm. conversation, nursing is actually linked to a way less risk yes. of getting breast cancer and ovarian cancer. For sure. So, and that's a proven Susan G. Komen. It is. Fact. So there is definitely a lot of benefits to nursing. And mm-hmm. I want to encourage you. I think most of us, if we're millennials or even is it Generation X that's mm-hmm. right before us? Yeah. Uh, we were raised in formula land. So mm-hmm. for I was formula fed because my mom actually couldn't nurse me. My husband was formula fed. Most of my friends were formula fed because that's what at the time doctors were saying was the best thing for you. And yeah, it also was like you look were looked at if you didn't formula feed it was kind of like a social yeah status which don't even get me too. started on like covering and stuff like yeah that. but just know that that is worthwhile it's worthwhile for your baby and it's worthwhile for your health in general mm-hmm. long term so totally breastfeeding is fantastic and i'm one i think i'm the poster child for trying and it's okay to still be giving formula mm-hmm. and then also doing what you can yeah. As long as it works for you and the baby. For sure. And your partner, whoever, like it all has to work together. But breastfeeding has so many benefits and food directly affects your breast milk. Your breast milk. And so some foods that you um, should probably make sure are in your diet outside of just having a really well ba- balanced diet, plant based, ubs. Um, but making sure you're getting lots of protein, good fats. Um, f- some foods in particular are oats, flax seeds, fennel, fenugreek, bu- brewer's yeast, and then spinach. That's mainly for the iron. Mm. Um, one thing to say, if you are getting your iron from vegetable sources, it's in a state called the ferric state that it's actually not absorbable so make sure that you pair whatever you're eating that has spinach or beans with a vitamin c source that vitamin c source actually takes it to a state that can be absorbed okay like we talked about last time bioavailable so what do you do do you do like lemon or lime yeah lemon lime oranges it depends on what you have like if you're having it on a salad the dressing could be like a lemon vinaigrette or you could put bell peppers in the salad That's a great um, source of vitamin C if you're putting in a smoothie, just making it whatever. Um, And then making sure you're eating lots of good fats because it will bump up your That's something I definitely noticed and I have had friends notice is that they – their like gut reaction after having a baby is like, cut out all the fat. I want to lose all my baby weight, which is another ridiculous society pressure. Yes. But when they actually committed to eating more fats, Mm -hmm. it was insane. I watched a friend who pumped like her regular, she's also going to school to be a dietitian and she's like all about all of the craziest diets. Like (laughs) maybe after school she won't be, but she just, she's that person that she's kind of like me. She'll just try anything. Yes. And um, her milk was like mostly water, tiny little bit of fat. Or not, it's four milk. It was mostly four yeah. milk, tiny bit of fat. And then she started eating fats and it was like three fourths fatty milk, one fourth four milk, which is ideal. So, because yeah, the hind milk is where most of the nutrients are. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, and that's one thing that my sister just had a baby, and that was the first thing she had had to struggle with her first kid and mm-hmm. had to um, stop breastfeeding because his latch was bad, but she also dried up. And she has always been concerned with like weight and getting back to whatever. And I was like, you have to eat. Yeah. Just eat as many calories as you can. Like mm-hmm. your body will bounce back after. Like the most. Like your biggest priority is if you want to feed that baby with breast milk, eat fats, eat fat. Well, just eat in general. Like yeah. who cares about your salads? calorie intake like, needs co- to be more. Yeah. It needs to be like, I read a thing today. It needs to be at least 2,500 calories, which that's double what 
any recommendation for a woman usually is. And so it's like, don't care about bouncing back. You will bounce back whenever you bounce back. Yes. The most important part is that you're feeding yourself well, you're getting to feed that baby, and know that if you're struggling, you're not alone, and it's okay whatever you have to do. Yeah. Because it's very, I'm surprised I didn't cry. (laughs) You didn't cry. I was like, huh, I wonder if she's going to cry. I think it's because you talked about it first. (laughs) Like you told my story, which helped. (laughs) Sorry, I totally hijacked your story. No, it's better. I am really glad you did because I didn't (laughs) want to cry. You did well. I think that I, I, I for sure felt like I was going to. Yeah, you did great. And it is really emotional in adding the hormones in. Yeah. I mean, we could go all day with how emotional just having a baby is in general, because you're now like you technically your body should be able to feed this baby. And mm-hmm. it's a lot of pressure when your body's not doing what you what it was created to do. Yes. But there's so many different factors now that come into that um, with breast reductions, mm-hmm. any sort of breast surgery, which is really prevalent or yes. even like some like thyroid stuff can affect totally. that. So just. Do your best. I recommend seeing lactation consultant yes. a million times over. Mine was an angel. Um, and yeah, you're doing great. If you're a mom and you're trying, keep trying. It's worth it. Yes. And just give yourself grace every yes. single day. Every single day. <laughs> yes. Um, and we're going to be posting my favorite go-to breast milk snack on our Instagram. Ooh. It is no bake energy balls, which are all over the place, but this one is specifically for boosting that milk. So check that out um, for just an easy snack to yeah. grab on the go, especially if you're nursing. Um, I bet you that it would be worthwhile, even if you're not nursing though. Oh no, so. they're delightful, um, and you can omit like the brewer's yeast. Right. I mean, it's also good for you regardless, but. If you didn't want something to be like, could this be increasing anything? You would just omit that. And they're just great. On-the-go snacks, really good fat, really good helping you stay full in that in-between meal time. Um, It's just super simple, clean. Great. So check out uh, our Instagram. It's Yep, I Did That Podcast. Holla. And then (laughs) also check our Twitter because I'm sure – Jonna will have some interesting things to say. <laughs> yes. With life. Or yeah. if you have anything to say to us, please tweet us. Tweet at, us. Yep, I did that podcast. If you have other stuff that you want to talk about that deals with your titties. <laughs> <laughs> any questions, any nursing yeah. questions? Uh, Amanda's five months in with five all sorts in. of different knowledge. And I did it for a couple years. Yes. And so just send in any questions and we'll try to help as much as we can. Yeah, well, it's Friday night for us, so we are going to sign off. Yep. Cheers. Cheers. Talk to you later. Bye. Bye. Quick update after listening back on this episode and looking at social media and the hashtag Titty Tuesdays, we decided that was definitely more risque than what we were going for. So we are changing it to self-check Saturdays, and we hope that this will help all of us just be more proactive in our own health and making sure that we stay as healthy as we can. So again, join us in self-check Saturdays, and we'll talk to you soon. Thanks.